Welcome to the No Neutral Moments Podcast. My name is Patrick Payton, and it's my pleasure to discuss, to explore, and maybe even to discover what it means for each one of us to live our lives fully engaged, to challenge each one of us to be fully aware, and completely expecting to engage to the fullest everything we've been designed, called, and gifted to be. So with all this in mind, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get engaged. Well, hello there. My name is Patrick Payton, and let me take this opportunity to thank you for tuning in to this episode of the No Neutral Moments podcast. It is fantastic to spend this time with you and uh, getting right into it. We want to thank uh, one of our sponsors, the Energy City Race. If you're in the Permian Basin, or if you're even outside the Permian Basin and you're looking for a good race to travel to, Uh, Let me recommend to you the Energy City Race. It's the Permian Basin, and the Permian Basin being this whole region out here. Permian Basin's largest road running event, 5K, 10K, half marathon event. It's going to be held on Saturday, October 16th. So if you haven't started training, you better start now. And it's going to be at the Faskin Oil and Ranch Office Park. You can find all that on the website. I'll give you here in just a minute. It's hosted by the Cameron Stotts Foundation. It's an organization dedicated to carrying on Cameron's spirit of charity in our community and a passion for service to others. What a great young man Cameron Stotts was before his tragic and untimely death. The Stotts Foundation uses the proceeds from the race to make grants to local nonprofits, nonprofits that focus on single mothers, displaced children, the homeless, and victims of human trafficking. So, How can you sign up for the Energy City Race? Well, you can go to energycityrace.com. Again, that's energycityrace, all one word, energycityrace.com. And use the discount code NONEUTRALRUNNERS, all one word, NONEUTRALRUNNERS. And you can save 20% on your registration. So look forward to seeing you out there at the Energy City Race, October the 16th. And thank them for sponsoring the No Neutral Moments podcast, and you can thank them by, again, entering the discount code No Neutral Runners when you register. Well, it's been a while since I've been with you. We have not been uh, dropping podcasts every single week. It, it, you know, it's, uh, it gets to this place where you think, I'm going to do a fresh podcast every week, but then oftentimes I find out that when I try to do that, uh, the material is not as good as it needs to be for you if you're going to invest the moments of your life in listening to a podcast. I've been giving this one quite a bit of thought and thinking about uh, what I wanted to share with you and how I go about this process is I, I have a journal that I carry around with me. I go through usually one or two journals a year, and I have sections in that journal where I just jot down some things that come to mind. I also have a folder I carry around in my briefcase called Podcast Churning, and it's just kind of a kind of an idea place. And what I want to focus on in this episode is the philosophy, the thought process, um, the culture behind a word called consensus. And I'm coming to the conclusion that consensus is really the lazy leader's excuse to avoid conflict and to avoid discussions. And let me, let me give you some background on this. In today's media, I don't even like that phrase, today's media, and that's divisive, but it's true. Today's media, the political world especially, but I'm going to tie this back to our personal and professional lives. Consensus is used a lot. Uh, It's used in phrases like climate consensus. It's used um, in words like uh, scientific consensus. 
And, and oftentimes I have come to the conclusion it's used in such a way to negate debate and to silence dissent and control a narrative. So again, I think consensus oftentimes negates debate, silence dissent and controls narratives. It's all very dangerous. And, um, it's particularly dangerous when we live in a country and try to create businesses where society thrives on robust debate. I'm also beginning to come to the conclusion that consensus is mostly unconscious. In other words, most of us don't know that it's happened to us and we accept that it's happening around us. So I think it's a significant challenge. And, and in this moment that we have together, I want to talk to you a little bit about it, look into it a little bit, and then kind of conclude with giving you what I think are seven things to consider to perhaps practice as you try to work through what consensus is doing to you, what it's doing around you as you go through your daily life. So before I go any further, I want to thank another one of our sponsors, and that's Admark. Um, Admark is brought to you, or our broadcast is brought to you by Ad, Admark. It's, uh, I love the way they say this. The foundation of a company or a product is its logo or its logos. And, and then my friend Daryl Dunton, who is the founder and has uh, been running Admark for decades, uses a Bible verse that uh, is found in the book of John that says, In the beginning was the Word. And Admark wants to remind us that a logo, it's, it's your identity, it's your personality. And all of us know that. I mean, I've got a computer sitting here in front of me. Uh, that's an Apple computer, and all you have to do is see the other side of it. You know exactly what you're looking at. But along with your brand, your logo shapes how people define your company. For over three decades, Admark has designed logos for companies small and large across the Permian Basin and all over the country. Your identity is by design. So check out the show notes to contact Admark for all your advertising and design needs. And I'll just tell you, you can log on at Admark, A-D-M-A-R-C, Admark.com. Or you can email Daryl at Daryl, D-A-R-R-E-L-L, at admark.com. I can personally attest to the work that Daryl does at Admark. Uh, as many of you know, I ran for mayor not long ago, and we won the office. And the person who was behind all of our work that we had and published and put out for people to see was Admark, and uh, they deliver on their promise. So let's get back to this issue of consensus. And as I kind of mentioned above, I think consensus more often than not happens to us rather than is agreed to by us. Now, make no mistake about it. We agree to it because as it's happening to us, we don't take time to slow down and say, wait a minute, what's happening here? So, so let me give you some ideas of consensus, some ways to consider what consensus is. And, you know, the definition is, is as you look it up, is general agreement or a majority opinion. General agreement or a majority opinion. And I, again, I submit to you, many times this is happening to us and we just let it happen to us and we let it happen to us in our lives. I think we even have sort of a uh, personal consensus we let happen to us. And we definitely have consensus that happens in our businesses. And as I've already mentioned, especially in politics. But let me let me give you some ideas of consensus around us. I've already mentioned scientific consensus. Uh, you hear this in the political circles quite a bit. You hear it in the media circles quite a bit when you hear the scientific consensus on climate change. I'm not going to get into a political spiel here. We also hear about the scientific consensus, everything related to COVID and COVID-19 we've been through over the last almost two years. 
believe it or not, uh, you know, in the past there was this consensus. In fact, uh, FDR actually gave a speech that uh, he didn't think there was any more advance that could be made in um, in automobiles and in spaceflight. But there was a consensus about spaceflight. There was a consensus about there'd never be a man on the moon. There's consensus that no one would ever lay eyes on Mars. Technically, there's so you can see there's there's consensus all around you. There, there's best practices within an industry that sometimes, whatever industry that is, sometimes best practices in an industry are by consensus and not by strategy. When I, I think about that, uh, just a, another example to try to keep this as simple as possible, even though it's as serious as it can be, you know, there's kind of a consensus in the fast food industry. If you just watch it, that they have to have tons of different things on their menus to satisfy um, the eating public. But then when you look at some of the people that are the best, they have pushed back against this consensus. And you've got places like Chick-fil-A that are basically saying, look, we do chicken sandwiches, we do chicken nuggets, and we do salads with chicken in them. We don't do hamburgers, we don't do chili, so on and so forth. They may do a seasonal, you know, side item or something like that. Uh, one of my favorite places is In-N-Out Burger. And you walk in In-N-Out Burger and and you're going to choose among burgers. That's what you're going to do. And, and but, but sometimes best practices are just, by consensus, accepted. Sometimes there's a consensus in various environments about how we dress. Uh, in one of my first careers, or my, I guess my first career, I was a sales rep, and I was going around to restaurants all over uh, northeastern Oklahoma and, and selling food. And you've seen like Cisco trucks and Kraft and Benny Keith and things like that, wherever you live, that deliver uh, the groceries to restaurants. And one of the uh, kind of rules, it was never stated when I was hired, but by consensus was you were supposed to wear a shirt and a tie and a coat oftentimes when you called on these restaurants. Now, to understand when you called on restaurants, I spent 80 to 90% of my time in the kitchens around fryers and around ovens and stoves and all these different things. And, and it, there wasn't a week that went by that I didn't ruin something. And so it kind of dawned on me one day, nobody that I call on is wearing a coat or tie. And so I'm going to wear nice golf shirts and slacks when I go call on these people. And, and one day I'd finished making my calls and I was back at the office and the vice president of sales was in the office and he walked in and he didn't say hello to me. He looked at me and he said, why aren't you wearing a shirt and a tie, a coat and a tie? And I told him kind of what I just told you. All the people I'm calling on are not wearing coats and ties, and I'm tired of ruining expensive clothes. It's just to push back on a consensus. And it wasn't about casual dress. There was just a consensus that had built up that you're supposed to be dressed like you're going to be a banker. There's consensus in how we talk and what we're allowed to say. There's consensus in what to believe. And, and oftentimes you're not allowed to... Um, challenge the consensus of belief. We're, we're, there's consensus about what not to believe. Uh, just some more examples to keep you stirring on this and churning on this. There's in fun things that I do, there's consensus on the way you're supposed to play golf. You know, for those of you who are golfers in the group, I had an amazing opportunity a couple of weeks back to go to, um, Bandon Dunes up in Oregon. And, you know, like I said, I'm churning on some of these ideas quite a bit. And, and one of the things that caught me was we were on one of the golf courses out there and we were on this par three and I had this caddy with me and he, we, we walk while we're walking up to the par three and he was, you know, uh, kind of a California dude. So I'll kind of talk the way he was talking. He was like, look, bro, I've stood on this tee box of this par three and have tried every conceivable shot, uh, for this par three. So I'm going to tell you how to play this par three. And I promise you, 
every caddy that's behind us and around us is not telling their golfer what I'm telling you. And it was, it was a par three. It was about 140, 135, 140 yards. And he says, I want you to pull a six iron out. And I want you to, for lack of a better word, skull, or just make it burn it across the earth. He goes, I want you to skull a six iron right over this little hill. And he pointed out this little hill and he said, your ball's going to disappear. And the next thing you know, it's going to show up on the green. He said, trust me, everybody else is going to try something else and they're not going to end up on the green. So I did exactly what he told me to do. And sure enough, he was right. But that's not how you're supposed to play those holes by consensus. You're supposed to grab your, your eight iron or your nine iron. And you're supposed to lob it up there and land it on the green. There's consensus. I mean, there's just, there's, there's consensus. And I'll give you another idea. And I know you're like, I get it. I get it. But some of you are baseball fans. And for the longest time in baseball, uh, everybody just stayed in their position. Third base, third base, second base, second base, first base, first base, shortstop, left field, right field, center field, catcher, pitcher. You just stayed where you were no matter who was up to bat. But over time, and you've kind of, you, you've seen some of this, if you've seen the movie Moneyball, things in baseball began to adjust and the consensus was challenged by the discovery of statistics. And uh, one of my favorite baseball teams, this might turn off some of you listeners, is uh, the Boston Red Sox. One of my favorite players who's retired is Big Poppy. And you started seeing this with Big Poppy. He's, he's obviously a big dude, and he was a left-handed batter. And no matter how hard this guy tried, he was going to hit the ball to the right field side. Occasionally, he could, he could sort of push something to the left-hand side of the field. But most of the time, it was the statistics showed this guy is going to hit the ball to right field. A lot of the time it's going to go over the fence, but a lot of time it's going to it's going to stay in. And so baseball started challenging the consensus or certain coaches started challenging the consensus and they put on what's called a shift. And the next thing you know, there's no one at third base and your third baseman is at shortstop and your shortstop's at second base and your second baseman is deep behind first and second and your center fielder has rolled over and, and you have a shift. Well, that was a challenge to the consensus. Consensus is the way we do it or the way we have been told to do it or the way it has been assumed that we do it. And it often sets in, in the midst of things that are going well, in the midst of things that are successful, but it's often avoided because we don't want to get into the debate and dialogue. And oftentimes when you challenge consensus, you're going to have to work to make something new happen. Many of you know my one of my favorite books, Tools of Titans, and there's an interview in there uh, with Eric Weinstein or Weinstein. And I'm going to read this this paragraph to you. He says somehow people have to learn that consensus is a huge problem. And and then he goes on to say there is no arithmetic consensus because it doesn't require consensus. It's two plus two is four. It, there's no consensus. That's a fact. He says, but there's a Washington consensus, a climate consensus. In general, again, Weinstein says, consensus is how we bully people into pretending that there's nothing to see. Now think about that. I'm going to go back and read that. Consensus is how we bully people into pretending there's nothing to see. Now, I'm not going to submit to you that you bully the people in your organization or that you bully yourself, but oftentimes a consensus mindset sets in and it pushes us to just close our eyes to something else to see or something else to do. And, and, and Weinstein says, it's this quote, just move along, everyone. There's nothing to see here or nothing to do. Weinstein goes on to say, you should learn that people don't naturally come to high levels of agreement unless something is either absolutely clear, in which case consensus isn't present, 
I mean, it's clear. There's no debate. It's, it's not up to interpretation. Or there's an implied threat of violence to livelihood or self. And Tim Ferriss follows that up with a quote from Mark Twain that says, whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, which is usually where consensus resides, Twain said it's time to pause and reflect. So as you keep thinking about this idea of consensus, um, I also think it's a natural response because we don't necessarily like debate. There are some of you listening who love to argue, and oftentimes that's a personality problem. But oftentimes we avoid consensus because it's going to, if we challenge it, it's going to start some hard conversations. It, it may start a challenging dialogue. It may leave open some, it may, it may open up some things that we can't answer exactly. It, it opens us up to challenge. So we, we kind of avoid it because we don't want to debate. We don't want to dialogue. We don't want to be challenged. And folks, remember, you do this to yourself. You can form some internal consensus about your fitness. You can, you can have some internal consensus about your belief system about finances, uh, different things. And you've got to be willing to challenge these. Uh, There are some other authors that I've read out there that um, talk about how we seek out a path of least resistance. And that path often leads us to assumed or understood consensus that will avoid strategic thinking, dialogue, and debate. It's just easier. And by nature, we kind of seek the easier path and we end up in a consensus that could be hurting us. So before I go much further, let me kind of give you a word of caution. I am not against, nor am I arguing against, coming to agreements on things. I'm, I'm not arguing against systems. I'm, I'm not sitting here telling you to just throw planning to the wind. In fact, I'm trying to expose consensus that oftentimes keeps us from strategically thinking often and always. But I'm kind of past that in my observations. What I see is not usually agreement. What I see is not usually uh, discipline within systems. What I see is an acceptance of consensus, the way things are supposed to be done and that are not supposed to be challenged. Our agreements and our systems need to be flexible enough as to not be terminative. In other words, everything just stops right here. We actually need to be more iterative, iterative in our processes and staying iterative in those processes and debating and challenging, you may end up right back where you started. You may come full circle and challenging a consensus and find out, okay, that's the way we're going to continue to do it. But if you're not challenging consensus, if you're not being skeptical about consensus, then you're not going to operate at your highest performance personally, spiritually, professionally, or wherever that might be. To be great people, to be great leaders, we, we just have to actively work to challenge consensus. In my notes, I actually wrote, we need to, we need to actively work to avoid uh, conscious and unconscious consensus. I don't think we need to avoid it as much when I look at these notes and talk to you as much as we need to be aware and be willing to challenge. So how do you do this? How do you go about living a life where you're challenging consensus and you're trying to become better at what you do? Before I get to that, let me Give a shout out to our sponsor of this program as well. And today's episode is brought to you by Lucini and Mertz Land Surveying Company. I love this sponsor because just not many times you hear about surveying companies uh, doing publicity and putting ads. And I love this. But uh, Lucini, uh, Lucini and Mertz is a resilient business. 
Uh, They are on a mission, I love those words, to faithfully serve clients and employer employees, all the while building lifelong relationships. Listen to this. This is what I love about this. They're building relationships in business of surveying through the art, the science, and the process of land surveying. I love that, the art of land surveying. How many of us think of our business as art? But Lucini and Merch has been in business since 1952. They have a reputation for dedication to clients and their customer service. So for more information, check out the show notes, or you can contact Bobby Burkholder and tell them that the No Neutral Moments podcast sent you. Let me give you Bobby's email address. It's B-O-B-B-Y and then another B. So Bobby B at LuciniandMertz.com. That's spelled L-U-C-H-I-N-I-M-E-R-T-Z. Just like it sounds, Lucini and Mertz. Dot com. And I love that name. It sounds like something that should be in the uh, Godfather podcast or the name of a restaurant, Lucini and Mertz. Lucini and Mertz Surveying, thankful for their sponsorship of the No Neutral Moments podcast. So getting back to this issue of consensus. So how do, how do we work around this? How do we work through this? How do we work towards this? How do we work out of this? Well, I'm going to give you seven kind of suggestions, and uh, hopefully you can find one or two to apply and a challenge in your own life. Before I get into the seven, let me just say, I I think it's critical that you establish the habit of challenging that which has become consensus in your life, or that which has become, to give you another way to think about it, the way you just do things, okay? Both personally, professionally, and as well, spiritually. So here's the first thing. Realize the validity of occasional consensus. There, There... Sometimes you, it, there's just going to be consensus. You're just going to live by it, and that's the way you're going to do it. There's some habits and structures that serve a current purpose. Maybe some way work is done at the office or something like that. But, but remember, even as I say, realize the validity of some consensus, the consensus for a long time has been you go to the office to work. But notice how that consensus has been challenged Throughout the pandemic, you know, before the pandemic, everybody just said it was lazy millennials who wanted to work from home and have a fun place to work. Then all of a sudden, the pandemic happens and we find out in the current culture in which we live with the technology that we have, that remote work and work by travel and not going to the office challenged the accepted capitalistic consensus. Now, that doesn't mean the consensus of going to the office is invalid but now we have been forced to challenge that consensus. So just, it's a little bit of both. Realize the validity of, of occasional consensus, but don't be surprised when the consensus is challenged. That's the first thing. Number two, pay close attention to when you are operating by consensus and not by expectations, not by progress, and not by targets. Oftentimes we slip into a system of doing what we do but there's no clarity of where we're headed in what we do. There's no way to measure what we do. We're not measuring small and measuring often. We sometimes don't even know what we're measuring. Sometimes we're not even measuring the right things. And more often than not, these things are hidden in the midst of our success, or they're finally exposed in our weakness. What we don't want to do is be blinded by our success or surprised by our weakness. That's why you have to be in the, in the habit of trying to see consensus and challenge consensus. Thirdly, get in the habit of regularly questioning the way you do things. Don't allow yourself to always hit the repeat button on your life. 
This doesn't mean you run around with this kind of, uh, I hope I can use this word and not offend anybody. It's not like you're running around uh, like a chicken with your head cut off or schizophrenic and you can't make up your mind. It's a discipline of the mind to habitually and regularly question the way you're doing things. You could literally schedule the challenge of consensus and habit and forms into your life. Like once a quarter, you, you can take a half a day or several hours and you can sit down and go, okay, we seem to be doing this by habit and by consensus. Is this the right thing? And you challenge it. So you don't have to, you're not spending every day changing everything. So calm down if that's what you think I'm saying. You can put the discipline of consensus challenge into your life. Get in the habit of regularly questioning. Get in the habit of regularly questioning what you do, what you believe, what you're what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, I, I'm not a big workout guy. My wife and I work out together and I run quite a bit. But you have to be very careful in your physical fitness routine that you don't just get into a routine or to use the example of what we're talking about, the consensus of a routine because you have to vary it in order for you to get the fullest advantage of the discipline of exercise. Fourth thing, and and this is really, I looked at it, I thought about editing it out of my notes because it's almost a repeat of number three that I just told you, but I'm just going to stick with it and say it because I, I don't want to change it. I just wrote these three words, intentionally challenge everything. Now, with that being said, I've spoken to you before about the, um, the program I use called Mind Styles. And what I know about this conversation we're having right now is different mind styles are listening to what I'm talking about very differently and very reactively in their own special way. So for instance, in Mind Styles, there are what's called concrete sequentials. It's um, a good portion of any culture in, in any society. In other words, it's one of the largest uh, percentage blocks of people and concrete sequentials really enjoy a system. They like things to be the way they are. They like point one, point two, point three. They like sequence. They like structure. So when they hear someone saying challenge everything, it can make them nervous. They're, they're a little bit unsettled by this habit of change, challenge, and choice. So to all of you concrete sequentials who've been very nervous throughout this whole podcast and to all the rest of you around them working with concrete sequentials who really like systems and like A, B, C, D, E, F, G points and, and all that, listen to what I said earlier. Schedule your challenging of consensus, but then we all need to realize if we challenge consensus and then decide maybe there's something else we can try, then give yourself steps to follow to try the challenge and then put a time-sensitive date ahead of that to go back and review the challenge to the consensus. You don't just challenge consistence and say consensus and say this is wrong and not plan for something different. The challenge of consensus should bring you to a process of what to do to challenge the consensus. It's, it's almost becoming jumbled in my mouth. And then you review the changes that you've made. Now, the concrete sequentials, again... The system is not wrong. One, two, three, four, five is not wrong. Systematic is not wrong, but plan the challenge. There's another group in mind styles that are called um, abstract sequentials. What I really like about that mind style, and, and it's the smallest percentage group of people, is they are churning on information. And one of the questions they always ask themselves is, what else could this be? But oftentimes they're silenced in consensus corporately 
because they are challenging everything in their minds and they are thinking something else could happen and they are thinking it could be something else. And so these are the people, you're the folks that when this meeting happens, you just need to be ready with your research because you have been thinking about another way to do things. There's another mind style called abstract randoms and the abstract randoms are predominantly concerned about the mood, about how everyone feels and the emotions. And so I want to give you a word of caution, especially to those of you who love challenge. There there are mind styles within your organizations that if you don't handle the challenge correctly, they think you're challenging them. And so remember, this isn't about personalities. This is about the consensus that oftentimes affects the personalities of our business and the practices of our business and our lives that we're living. And the last mind style I'll remind you of is the concrete randoms. Concrete randoms, the whole time that I've been speaking about challenging consensus, have been shouting at the top of their lungs, amen, amen, because you thrive on change, challenge, and choice. But be careful because sometimes you are going to look at consensus and find out, you know what, we need to keep doing that. That is solid. We've tested it and we've tried it and we're going to stick with it. Everything just doesn't need to be thrown out, baby, with the bathwater kind of thing. Number five. As you're challenging consensus, avoid challenging people. Remember, we're challenging systems and processes, not people. So one way I used to say this years ago is we go through life and go through issues with people. We don't go through people with life and issues. You're doing this with people. You got to work with each other. And if you're challenging personal consensus that you've allowed yourself to buy into, be gentle on yourself. I mean, don't sit there and say, good grief, I can't believe I let that happen to me. I'm such a loser. I, I, good grief. Why did I do that? Be gentle on yourself. Be as gentle on yourself as you want people to be with you and that you typically are with other people. Number six, avoid guarding, protecting, defending, and blaming whenever you are challenging consensus. These four reactions are really just expressions of consensus protection. If you are in the process of challenging consensus and you feel welling up inside of you a tendency to guard an accepted consensus or protect it or defend it or blame it, then you already are noticing, wait a minute, am I unjustifiably protecting something? See it, feel it coming up within you and then realize this is legit. I need to challenge this. And when you see yourself aggressively guarding, protecting, defending and blaming consensus or habits, that's a sign that you need to stop, pause, take a look at it, and see if something needs to change. Last thing, accept the fact that some things will change and some will not. The bigger question is, is your willing, your willingness to confront consensus. You're going to look at some things and back up and go, you know what? That, that was right. You, you know, I could, I could back up and say after a while that maybe it was the right thing to do. The consensus was right that we should wear suits and ties and so forth. And we were calling on restaurants, but at the same time, we had to be willing to accept it. The consensus of all work being done well at the office has been challenged over the last 20 months. And for some people that might be still right, but that consensus has been challenged and we might need to change some way we're doing things. Even harder on a personal level, there are some things you might have chosen to believe by the consensus in which you were raised and when you begin to be open to the challenges of what you were taught or what you learn in the consensus you bought into, that can be nerve wracking, but you may come out on the other side and find out, you know what, that was right. And that, that is something I'm going to make a value 
in my life. Some things will change. Some will not. The bigger question is my willingness to confront consensus in my life. I hope these musings help you out a little bit. I'm becoming more and more and more and more and more and more of a fan and of a, uh, a proponent of the idea that we have to constantly be scheduling the discipline into our lives of challenging the things we do personally, spiritually, professionally. More often now in this season of life in which we live, this time in which we live than in any other time perhaps in our past, things are changing fast. Things are moving fast. They used to say society reinvents itself every five years. I think the number is now down to something like three. I'm not telling you to change everything. I am challenging you to challenge everything and to realize some things will change and some will not. But just be aware of the stifling of consensus and be willing to challenge it. And last of all, remember, there's no such thing as a neutral moment. God bless. Look forward to talking to you again. 